Hey there, you're listening to the Soul Survivor New South Wales podcast. Here is a seminar from our conference, More Than a Song 2016. We hope that you're encouraged and equipped. For more information, go to our website, soulsurvivornsw.org.au. All right, well, good morning. We might kick off. Uh, my name's Jonathan. Uh, welcome to Who Wants to Be a Worship Leader? No, I'm joking. <laughs> that was sound If you did want to be in that seminar, now's your chance to vote. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's Prime Ministry 101 this morning. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, I'm 28. Uh, I work three days a week at church at Ruach. Is anyone here from Ruach this morning? Yeah. Welcome, boys. Um, and I'm also kind of part-time doing photography stuff as well on the side, which is cool. I'm married to uh, the beautiful Tony Dean. Come on in, guys. There's a couple of seats this round there. Cool. Yeah, I got married about a, about a year and a half ago now, which is good fun. Uh, and my church background, I guess, is a little bit all over the shop. I grew up, actually got saved, I guess, into... Uh, C3, when I was like a little tacker, like four or five. There's a couple of seats around the back if you guys want. Or four space, whatever. Take a seat, don't, don't stand all day. <laughs> There's a bit of space over there. Coming through, yeah. Yeah, my church background, I guess, fairly varied. So when I was about four or five, uh, I decided to give my life to Jesus. Uh, and I grew up in the very early days uh, in C3. Before, when I was about nine or ten, I started going to an Anglican church, uh, St. Stephen's in Belrose. And I was there kind of growing up all the way through uh, my teenage years. I then went uh, over to the UK after school, and I spent about a year over uh, with Soul Survivor in Watford, which is an Anglican church over there, uh, which is where Soul Survivor came out of here in, in Sydney. Um, yeah, and then I ended up studying at Bible College for a little while after doing a biology degree. So I kind of got thoughts from a bit all over the shop, I guess. Um, but I remember the first time that I ever prayed for somebody, and I was actually probably about 12 or 13, and it was at a, a very early days Soul Survivor event, uh, and I was kind of just tagging along for the ride, and uh, a guy tapped me on the shoulder, um, a friend of my dad's, and said, hey, we're praying for people, come and pray. And I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't think I can do that. I'm like... 12 or 13, like, I've never done that before. And he was like, no, just come with me and, uh, and just watch what I do. So I was like, all oh, right. So I kind of went up and he was like, oh, you know, we put the hand on, on the shoulder. And I was like, okay. So I kind of did that. And then he was like, oh, if you think that God's saying anything to you, uh, now would be a good chance just to share that with that person. And I was like, oh, okay. And a little Bible verse kind of came to mind. So I was like, oh, I think the Lord might want to say, I can't remember what it was, but said that to the guy. And, and he just starts bawling his eyes out. And I was like, what did I do wrong? Like, <laughs> uh, no, man, it's okay. Don't cry. Um, but I later figured out that the Holy Spirit, uh, through that little word that I shared, was really working uh, in that guy's life. And I guess from that point on, I started getting kind of hooked on praying for people because I love seeing the Holy Spirit uh, meet people and, and bring change into their lives. So I guess what we're here to do this morning is to learn a little bit more about how to do that um, and a little bit more about Soul Survivor's values uh, in how to do that, I guess. Um, and kind of with praying for people, there's often not a lot of teaching about how to do that well and how to do that in a safe way and how to create space for the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. And so I want to, I guess, dispel a couple of myths this morning um, and I guess get, get away from some of that confusion that, that surrounds uh, the thought of prayer and praying for people. 
Um, and then we'll go through a couple of the values and practices of prayer ministry. So I've titled the seminar, The Why and How of Prayer Ministry, uh, or Prayer Ministry 101, if you like. <laughs> how about we just pray and then we'll get into some stuff. Yeah, Father God, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for bringing us to Soul Survivor and for how you're going to speak and meet with us this week. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that um, you'll put power on this message, put power on my words, and meet everyone here where they're at. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. In your name, amen. amen. Come on in, guys. Have a seat. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what do we actually mean, starting right back from the very, very beginning, by prayer ministry? Well, what we're really talking about is just intentionally creating a bit of space and a bit of time for the Holy Spirit uh, through prayer to come and meet people that we're praying for. And that's really key. It's about creating space uh, for the Holy Spirit to work. There's a guy uh, in the States who wrote a little book called The Forgotten God, uh, which talks a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, and he actually wrote that the benchmark for success in church services these days has become more about attendance than actually the movement of the Holy Spirit. There tends to be a big gap between what we read in Scripture about how the Holy Spirit works and how most believers in churches operate today. And he goes on to say that if we... Actually, just if the Holy Spirit were to kind of leave our churches theoretically, many churches would just go on existing and doing exactly the same thing they've been doing for many, many years, and they probably wouldn't see much change. And I guess Soul Survivor kind of comes from a different angle where we actually want to create space for the Holy Spirit to work and follow His leading. And that's really what prayer ministry is about. Uh, so this morning, I want to look at quickly, first of all, who the Holy Spirit is, um, so we can kind of get through a couple of those myths and then give you a couple of key values of prayer ministry and then we're actually going to do a bit of a model and we're all going to practice praying for each other at the end. So who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, there are in scripture a bunch of different images that we see the Holy Spirit described as. Can anyone think of any? Dove, yep. Fire, cool. There's a couple other key ones. No. Wind. Comforter. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Nice. <laughs> Advocate. Advocate. Yep, there's another kind of image, though. Water. water. Very good. Water. So the four kind of images we see in Scripture are water, fire, a dove, and wind. And there's a whole bunch of other words like comforter, advocate, that we see the Holy Spirit referred to as. Uh, and there's a bit of confusion around some of that, um, particularly because depending on the Bible version that you read, sometimes the Holy Spirit's actually written as the Holy Ghost. And that word's been thrown around a little bit, but that kind of gives a, a thought in our mind that, you know, we're following a person kind of under a white sheet or something like that. Um, so there's a, a bit of confusion surrounding that stuff. So what we're going to do is start off and we're going to look at the names of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Who can tell me, does anyone know, the Old Testament word for the Holy Spirit? Those guys from Ruach might want to know. Yep. So it's actually Ruach. Ruach is the Hebrew word. And that just means breath uh, or wind and power of God kind of thing. And we actually see that very early on, literally the first sentence of the Bible, and the Spirit, the Ruach, hovered over the waters. And it's this idea in the Old Testament that whenever God's doing something really massive, we see this, this sense of God's presence, His power, um, kind of this rushing wind effect. Uh, the Ruach is in that same kind of frame of mind. Uh, it also means breath, though, which is kind of an intimate thought. God's breath. We all have individual breath. And God breathes life. So when the Spirit comes, life comes upon that person as well. So that's kind of an intimate connection. Um, when we carry forth into the New Testament, we see the Greek words actually pneuma, uh, which really means the same thing, breath 
or wind. It's just a Greek word for it. Uh, but in the New Testament, perhaps there's a, a bit more of an emphasis of that kind of personal relationship with God through that breath of God. Come on, that's all good, right? See if you can grab some room on the floor or something. So it's a sense of intimacy with the Father, His, his breath um, coming and living within us. Uh, there's a theologian way back in the day called St. Augustine, and he actually talked about the Holy Spirit as the bond of love between the Father and the Son. But it's not just the bond of love between the Father and the Son, it's actually the bond of love between God and us. Because when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within our heart. And it's that through the Holy Spirit that we can have connection with the Godhead through the Father and the Son and His Holy Spirit. Um, And it's actually the same connection that we have with everybody else that are Christians as well. Because every other Christian receives the Holy Spirit. And so it's the same bond of love, the connection that we have with the body of Christ. That's how kind of St. Augustine explained it. And Paul in the New Testament actually refers to the Holy Spirit as a seal, which is kind of another uh, metaphor, if you like. Uh, When I first, well, when I got married, we we actually decided for our wedding invitations, uh, we would put little wax seals on the back of every wedding invitation. And it actually took a heck of a long time. I thought it was going to be like a 10-minute job, but, you know, at three in the morning, I'm still like wax sealing the backs of letters. I was like, oh, this is a bad idea. But we actually got a little seal, kind of like a stamp designed, which said T and J, so Tanya and Jonathan. And we, we spent like hours with a little candle dripping wax onto the back of the envelope and then pressing that little stamp into that wax to kind of personally seal it, if you like. And Paul uses that same word, that seal, um, to represent the Holy Spirit. And he says that you've been marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. And it's this idea that actually God, kind of using his little signature, if you like, is personally stamping you as his. It's this personal connection with the Godhead. And actually, in old kind of Testament times... Come on, guys, grab a seat. Don't hang out the door. (laughs) There's a bit of floor space down here, if you want. Um, back in the Old Testament times, a king, when he would pass a law, he actually had a signet ring, which was kind of like his little initials stamped into his ring. And he would put a little bit of wax on the piece of paper and he would seal it. And it's kind of like, this is coming from me, this is coming from the king, and this is now law. And so it's kind of that same metaphor in our lives that the king, the king of the universe, God, has actually sealed us with his Holy Spirit. He's identifying himself with you. Uh, another thing to note about the Holy Spirit is he's actually God and an equal member of the Godhead, the Trinity. Often the Holy Spirit uh, gets talked about kind of like the Cinderella, Cinderella sorry, of, of the Trinity. Uh, you know, the, the Father and the Son get to go to the ball, but the Cinderella kind of stays at home. We don't talk about him very much. Um, or perhaps we think of him like the Coke and the Happy Meal. When I was growing up, I used to love Happy Meals, still do actually, uh, whenever I get a chance to swing by Maccas. But... I would always eat the burger first, followed by the chips, and I probably wouldn't have much room left, so I would leave the Coke. And we kind of, in church today, often think about the Holy Spirit like that. Kind of the one that we forget about. We talk about Jesus and, and, and God the Father, but, oh, Holy Spirit, oh yeah, he's kind of somewhere in the Happy Meal, I guess, but he's not the important element. But really, the Trinity is actually not a hierarchy. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's actually all a God in their entirety. God is three persons and one. Three and one. And the Holy Spirit is actually a key part of that trinity. Uh, He's also a person. He's not kind of some force or some vapor, I guess, some impersonal vapor. He is actually a person that we're relating to. 
Is there any near seven here? No, no year sevens? Oh, yeah, a couple. Did you do a science experiment in year seven where you had to boil water? Yeah, was that the first one you ever did? No. Okay, well, that was my first ever science experiment in year seven was boiling water. And I remember we had to write down what we were looking at. And, you know, oh, and the water's bubbling and now it becomes steam. And what's the steam doing? Oh, it's kind of moving around. Okay, cool. I think often we think of the Holy Spirit kind of like steam, just like some sort of vapor that we go, oh, yeah, it's moving this way, kind of, I guess. But actually, Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit as a person, really, in a really personal way. Um, Jesus actually referred to the Holy Spirit as a he um, in John several times. And that's not to say that the Holy Spirit's necessarily a guy or a girl or anything like that. It's just saying that actually it's a personal um, thing that we're, that we're interacting with. It is a person. That's John 16, if you want. Um, Ephesians actually talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. It's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. And you can't grieve an impersonal force like esteem. You can't grieve esteem, but you can grieve a person. Uh, Romans actually says that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. So it's a sense that he has intelligence and he has a mind and he has a will. So those kind of three elements, emotions, mind and a will, are the kind of three, uh, three elements of personhood, if you like. And so scripture is actually talking about the Holy Spirit having those three things. In Acts it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, Peter writes in a letter. And so once again, it's this sense that the Holy Spirit actually has a will. And he's a person. So what does the Holy Spirit then actually do? Well, Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit does four main things in the life of a Christian. The first is that he reveals Jesus to us. The second is that he glorifies Jesus in us. The third is he helps us become like Jesus. And the fourth is he actually empowers us to do the works of Jesus. So he reveals Jesus, he glorifies Jesus... He helps us become like Jesus and he empowers us to do the works of Jesus. But how does he actually do that in the life of a believer? Well, he does that because he lives inside of you. Uh, if we just purely talk theoretically, I'm a, a big NBA fan. And the NBA playoffs are on at the moment, by the way, if you're interested. Um, and growing up, I remember I used to love watching Michael Jordan play. Um, but theoretically, let's say I had Michael Jordan sitting on the side of the basketball court telling me, you know, how to hit a jump shot really well. <laughs> you probably see over the course of maybe an hour tutorial or something, yeah, I'd probably be hitting a couple more shots than I have ever before. But what would happen if the spirit of Michael Jordan actually came and dwelt inside me? What do you think would probably happen? Hit I'd hit a lot more shots. <laughs> I played basketball with Ryan and I was fairly average. I'd probably be able to jump a fair bit higher as well. I'd probably be able to dunk, which I've never been able to do before. Uh, it's this kind of idea that often when we read scripture, we think, oh, it'd just be awesome if Jesus was right here next to me, kind of just telling me what to do. But actually, it's a step better than that. It's Jesus came and lives inside us and empowers us to do exactly what he wants to do. He empowers us. And that last thing is actually really important for prayer ministry. Because what we're doing when we pray for somebody, we're not actually trying to do anything ourselves. We're not trying to make something happen. We're just trying to create space for the Holy Spirit to work through us and meet that person. There are a couple of words that Scripture uses for how the Spirit interacts with His people. And the first is in, as I just mentioned. He comes and lives inside of us. It's Jesus with us. It's our interaction with the Father and the Son, if you like. 
And that's an unchanging fact. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside you, and, and you, you have that um, empowerment by the Holy Spirit. But there are also times in Scripture where the Holy Spirit will come upon a person. It's another way of thinking about it. Uh, Paul actually talks about that as being filled with the Spirit, if you like. When we talk about being filled, it can kind of get a bit confusing because we often think of like a bottle of water that we're trying to fill to the top. Um, but Scripture uses just that same word, being filled, as kind of like the Holy Spirit comes upon a person. And when, a Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes and does that, uh, He's making His presence really manifest in that particular place. Um, it's a strong sense of, of, of God meeting with that person. And usually He does that, um, well, various times through Scripture, but He, he does that to, to bring change in people's lives quite quickly. It's a little bit like, I guess, putting petrol on a fire. I wouldn't recommend you do that, by the way. But what happens when you do do that is the fire just goes whoosh, really quickly. Like you, you just genie flick a little match in there and away it goes. And that's kind of the same thing that happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person. Things change really quickly. Um, they fall more in love with Jesus. Jesus is glorified more in them. That person starts to become more like Jesus. And they're more empowered through the works of Jesus. And so what we're doing in prayer ministry is we're just asking the Holy Spirit to come and meet that person, to come upon that person. But we're also asking him to come upon us so that we can minister God's love to that person at the same time. So that's a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is. Um, what are the kind of values that we have here at Soul Survivor in regards to prayer ministry? Uh, just a couple of quick ones. And these are kind of some practical tips, I guess, as well. The first is we just value the dignity of the person that we're praying for. We see when Jesus walked around, he never forced stuff on people. And so we don't want to force stuff on people either. We don't kiss them. We don't lick them. We don't you know, push them over, give them a little kick when they're on the ground, you know, stuff like that. We don't force stuff on people. We value their dignity. We also, obviously, as I just mentioned, value the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not us that does anything. It's, it's God that meets that person and, and brings change. And we're just creating space for him to do that, uh, which is great because it means the pressure's off. We don't have to actually feel like we need to bring something at this particular time. We just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, uh, I do what I see my Father doing. And so that's what really prayer ministry is about. We just go, God, what are you doing? And then we get to play along with that. Uh, there's a, another term, another value, which is everyone gets to play. And I would actually say everyone has to play in the kingdom of God. Um, not just everyone gets to, everyone has to. Uh, it's this idea that the kingdom of God is open. Uh, it's not closed. It's not, you know, just for those that have done a theology degree or those that are pastors or, you know, you have to be 16 or older or you have to be a guy or a girl. Luke, when he talks about the kingdom of God, clearly shows through Luke and Acts that actually the kingdom is open for everybody. Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female, boy, girl, you know, whatever. And that's a, a key value of Soul Survivor. Everyone gets to play. So during the main meetings, um, when people come up to receive prayer, when your mates stand up to say, yeah, I want to... I want to encounter Jesus. You can actually stand up and pray with that person. Um, all that you need um, is a relationship with Jesus. That's our only qualification for praying for somebody else. If you love Jesus, then go for it. You can pray for people. And the last little value is prayer ministry is supposed to encourage the person. So we want to make sure that after we've prayed with them, they leave knowing a couple of things. The first is that you love them, and the second is that God loves them. You love them, and God loves them. And that's really key. They need to leave feeling encouraged. So how do we actually do that? 
what's the practicals, I guess, of praying for people? Uh, I want to give you just really quickly a very easy model to use when praying for somebody. And I love this model. It's not the only model out there, but it's the one we like to use at Soul Survivor simply because it's easy to use. Anyone can do it. And it can also be used anywhere. It can be used in this seminar room. It can be used out in the oval. You can use it in the schoolyard if you like, at the shopping center. Whenever you feel like you want to pray for somebody, you can just use this model and it's quite simple and easy to use. And as I said, it's just, Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing. That's really what this model does. We just keep asking God, what is it that you're doing? And we're just going to follow your leading in that. And there are four steps. I like things in fours, as you can tell. We just invite, wait, watch, and respond. So we invite the Holy Spirit to come and work because he's the one that comes and does it. We wait for him to work. Sometimes it takes a bit of time for people to put their stuff to the side and meet Jesus, so we wait for him to work. We watch what he's doing. As Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. So we watch what the Holy Spirit's doing, and then we simply respond to that. We respond to how he's leading us to pray. Um, Just before we get Josiah up to demonstrate for us, uh, there's a couple other things I just want to mention. It's always good, just particularly Soul Survivor, just always ask, ask permission for whatever you're going to do. So if you're going to lay hands on someone's shoulder, you can just be like, hey, mate, do you mind if I put a hand on your shoulder? And they might say no, and if they say no, well, then obviously respect them in that because we want to uphold their dignity. So we always ask permission for what we do. A couple of other things. Um, we just like to have a rule here at Soul Survivor that's boys with boys and girls with girls when we're praying for each other. Um, that's just to keep everything nice and safe. But scripture also talks about guarding your heart. And I think prayer, at times of prayer, we can be quite vulnerable. So it's important that Soul Survivor we keep that nice and safe and we help people guard their hearts. So boys with boys and girls with girls. Um, always maintain their dignity, as I said. And they need to leave knowing that God loves them and that you love them. All right, we might. Josiah, do you want to come up? Josiah's going to be our little stand-in assistant today. Cool, man. So when you pray for somebody, you can just be normal. Uh, There's a great little word called naturally supernatural. You don't need to make something happen. You can just be normal, be yourself. So I usually just go up and be like, hey man, I'm Jono. Hey, nice to meet you. Cool. Can I pray with you? Sure. Asking permission. Cool. And then I might just prompt Josiah perhaps just to maybe put his hands out in front like that. If he doesn't want to, I don't force him to. But often that's just a way physically of that person saying, actually, I'm open to you, God. It's, that's all really it is. If someone gives you a bowl of ice cream, you, kind of, you don't just have your hands there and be like, I'll eat it like this. You go, yeah, cool, I'll take the bowl of ice cream. And that's really what we're doing in prayer ministry by asking the person to open up their posture. It's the same. make yourself as open as possible to receiving from God. So Josiah, how do you feel about maybe putting your hands out? Yeah, awesome, cool. Call that the receiving posture, if you want. And then at this point, I might say, hey, do you mind if I just lay a hand on your shoulder? That's fine. Cool, great. Again, asking permission. Um, There are a couple of areas that are okay to put your hands on somebody, like the shoulder, maybe the head. There are also a couple of areas that are not so good to lay a hand on somebody. Maybe around here, or if there are 50% of the population, it's probably somewhere around here. So I I think the shoulder is probably just the best, and I like to stand side on like that. Um, simply because sometimes, we'll talk about this in just a second, but sometimes when people meet, meet with Jesus, they actually maybe lose their balance, wobble a little bit, and they might fall over. And if I'm here like that, just so I falls backwards, I'm not going to be able to catch him. So I just like to be on the side, and then you can easily just... Oh, there we go. 
And at this point in time, you've obviously introduced yourself, you've asked to put a hand on their shoulder, you just invite the Holy Spirit. And it's not like the Holy Spirit hasn't been here working, he's always working and he's everywhere. But like I said before, we're just asking for the Holy Spirit to come upon that person and meet them in a very specific way. So when we invite the Holy Spirit, you don't need to you know, fill the space with heaps and heaps of words. It can literally just be a sentence, something like, Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and meet Josiah right where he's at. That's all it takes. And then the next step, so that's the invitation, the next step is waiting. You just simply wait. You don't need to do anything. Because actually, often, Josiah might have come with a whole lot of baggage, it's stuff he's thinking about. I think there's an essay that's due that he should have handed in. It takes him a little while just to put that stuff kind of to the side and to engage with Jesus. So we just wait for that to happen. And we wait for the Holy Spirit to work. How long do you wait? It's a good question. You wait until it feels awkward and then you keep waiting a little bit longer after that. <laughs> it will feel awkward after probably about five seconds. But don't at five seconds just jump in and be like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to push you over. <laughs> you just wait. Continue to wait. That's actually really important. Um, sometimes our natural response when we're praying for somebody is to just talk stuff, just start praying words, and we don't really even know what they mean or what we're really praying, but we just feel like we have to fill that space with lots of words. It's really important, particularly in this model, to not do that. It's the Holy Spirit, as I said, that does the work, so we just need to wait for him to meet that person. So we just simply wait for quite a while till it feels awkward. Probably about now. It's pretty awkward. And then we just keep waiting a bit longer. Give it at least a couple of minutes. While we're waiting, though, we're not just, you know, checking our phones or updating Facebook or something like that. We're actually watching what the Holy Spirit's doing. So when we pray for people, a good idea is to just open up your eyes every now and again. Or well, I actually just pray with my eyes open all the time. Because during a time of prayer... If, you, if your eyes are closed, you might think God's not doing anything. But if you open your eyes, you can actually see sometimes little indicators of the Holy Spirit working on that person. Um, the first little indicator might be occasionally their eyelids might just flutter a little bit. Can you do that for us? <laughs> that was not bad. <laughs> but if your eyes were closed, you're like, oh, God's not doing anything here. Because you can't see what he's doing. So have your eyes open. The next one might be, they might just shake just a little bit, maybe in their hands. <laughs> or a lot like that <laughs> and all that is we're not necessarily concerned about the meaning of you know the physical manifestation what's actually happening all it is is when God meets people it's kind of like plugging your finger into a powerpoint you're going to react probably um, and those little physical indicators are just indicators of, of God working we don't go oh shaking means something it doesn't really necessarily mean anything. It's just a sign, a sign, that the Holy Spirit's working on that person. Um, they might start to just cry a little bit. Can you cry on cue? <laughs> no. No. Or just gently weep. Um, and if they're weeping, it could be a good idea just to, you know, there'll be someone around with some tissues, just be like, hey, can you just give us a tissue? You can just pop the tissue in their hands so that when they're ready, they can wipe their hands or wipe their eyes. You don't have to, pop you know... <laughs> you don't have to start wiping their eyes for them. Just give them the tissue and they can... They're more than capable of doing that. Um, the last thing that might happen is that person might just sway a little bit or, or fall over, as I mentioned. Um, and if they're swaying back and forth like that and they're looking like they're going to fall, 
there's no point waiting till they fall in order that you catch them. You can actually just say, hey man, looks like you're losing your balance. Do you want to maybe just take a seat? That's really easy. The person doesn't need to fall over to meet with Jesus. The aim isn't to get everyone on the ground. <laughs> the aim is that they meet with Jesus. So if they're looking like they're wobbling back and forth, they might be really concerned they're going to fall over and they actually start disengaging with God. So you can just be like, hey man, it's cool. Just relax. Just take a seat and we'll continue to pray you know, while we're sitting down. And you can absolutely do that. That's totally fine. The last little step is we just respond to what God's been doing. So during that whole time of waiting and watching, what we're also doing is we're actually just listening to God to see if there's something that He specifically wants us to pray. Um, and we'll talk about how to pray for healing in, a, in another seminar. But let's say Josiah came up because he you know, had a really sore knee that he wants some prayer for. Obviously, we pray for the knee, but there are times when perhaps God actually wants to do something else as well. He might not just want to deal with the knee. He might actually want to deal with you know, the anxiety that Josiah feels about his assignment due. And so you might be just asking God, God, is there anything that you want to bring to my mind just to pray more effectively? And in that moment, you might just get just a little random thought. It might just be the word anxiety. Now, before you just jump in and start, you know, casting out the spirit of anxiety out of the person, um, just be thinking, okay, well, firstly, was that God? How does God normally speak to me? And often it's for me just a random thought. But I want to make sure that it's biblical before I just jump in and start praying stuff. So I think, okay, well, God does promise in Scripture that He's going to be our peace and that He gives peace to His people. So I might think, well, rather than start, you know, casting out the spirit of anxiety, I can just ask an easier way is just to ask, Lord Jesus, would you fill Him with your peace? And if that's wrong and He actually isn't anxious about His assignment at all, well, He just thinks, cool, I'll take more of Jesus' peace, no worries. So you don't have to like put stuff on people or make stuff happen. You can just think, how can I pray more effectively? And if you've got the, the thought anxiety, you can just be like, Lord, we just fill that person, would you fill that person with your peace? It's just a very safe way, I guess, of, of praying without putting stuff on people. You don't need to say, you know, thus saith the Lord, you know, you have anxiety. Um, you can just be like, Lord Jesus, if there's any anxiety here, perhaps... We just ask that you would take that now. You can just be really normal in how you pray for people. So just a quick rehash of that model. We invite the Holy Spirit. That's really important because it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. Then we wait for him. Wait till it's nice and awkward and then just keep waiting. While we're waiting, we're watching what the Holy Spirit's doing. And while we're watching, we're just listening to God. What is it that you want to say or help me pray more effectively? And then we just respond to that. So we invite, wait, watch respond. That's the four steps. Thanks, man. Want to give Josiah a hand? So what we're going to do now, actually for the last kind of 15 minutes, is just split into groups of three if you can, maybe maximum four. But if you can split into little huddles of three, I know it's pretty cramped in here, we can actually spill out into uh, the hallway. And we're just going to practice that model. So just two people praying for one person in that group of three and make sure it's guys with guys and girls with girls if you can you don't need to know the person actually it's probably better if you don't know the person because you don't know all the stuff that's going on with that person and you can actually just pray god's leading a little bit more effectively in that so if you can just split up with three random people don't make me start divvying up the room i hate doing that stuff <laughs> um, and then we're just going to practice that model so invite the holy spirit wait for him to work watch what he's doing and respond to his leading